Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with genealogies in Chronicles, as we pick up in 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So we turn now to 1 Chronicles chapter 1, and let's see what... You know, we used to say to our kids they could get juice out of anything uh, when they ate, you know. They, they could make a cracker so juicy that when they were through, it was all over the place. But... Uh, We'll pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to draw some juice out of First Chronicles and the listing of all of these genealogies. Now, the list begins where it should, of course, with Adam, and then his sons, Seth and Enosh, and gives the names of the sons, the descendants, down to Japheth, who was one of Noah's sons. And then it's interesting, as you watch it, it will take off and and give you just a few descendants of Japheth, and it drops Japheth. It'll give you a few descendants of Ham, but it's going to drop Ham, and then it uh, centers in on the descendants of Seth, because it is from the descendants of Seth that... Abraham came from Abraham, whom David came from David, who Christ came. And that's the genealogy, really, that uh, the Scripture is interested in, in really following. And so we get a few of the sons of Japheth. And as we read the names of the sons of Japheth, immediately we're aware of the fact that the descendants of Japheth were actually the Europeans and, and the Russians. And so Gomer... Magog and and so forth, those that went north and west were the descendants of Japheth. As we read the descendants of Ham, beginning with verse 8, we realize that they are those who went south from Israel down into the African continent, and they populated the area of the African continent, and so that leaves Shem Uh, with the children of Israel and those towards the east from Israel. Now, in verse 19 of chapter 1, it mentions this fellow, uh, Peleg, and it was in his days that the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, just what is meant by the earth is divided Uh, is a matter of speculation. It could be that it is a reference to the time of the Tower of Babel when the people were separated and went out uh, from there with the confusion of tongues and, and really the beginning of nationality groups. Or there are some who believe that this is a reference to some great cataclysmic event in which the continents were divided. They are talking now of the continental drifts and that the possibility at one time they were all together. And uh, so 
If that indeed be so, who knows? But uh, an interesting phrase at least. Now we take in verse 24 to 28, you have a direct line now from Shem to Abraham. As we read these in the book of Genesis, we find that Abraham actually was still alive or was born when Shem was still alive. And then we move uh, to Ishmael's sons in verse 29, and then, of course, to the sons of Abraham by Keturah, his concubine, and then we come to Isaac and Esau and Israel in verse 34. Then we follow for a little while the sons of Esau, who became the Edomites. And then when we get into chapter 2, we take Esau's twin brother Jacob. Now these are the sons of Israel and the 12 sons of Jacob. And then we follow for a little bit the sons uh, of Judah. And then we are now zeroing in. As I tell you, we, we keep coming back, zeroing in on the line of Christ. And as we get to Judah, because the Messiah was to come out of Judah, we find the, the descendants from Judah to Jesse. He was to be a root out of the stem of Jesse. And so that's the family we're interested in. And then from Jesse, of course, uh, we want David, who was the seventh son of Jesse. His brothers are all named in verses 13 through 15. Now, you remember as we were going through Kings that David had a general who gave him problems. He was a mighty man. His name was Joab. And uh, yet Joab did create problems for David along uh, with his brother Abishai. And uh, they actually were David's nephews. They were the sons of David's sister. Now we jump way back from David. We've come out to David, but we have left a lot of unnamed people. And so we go to another family in the tribe of Judah, the family of Caleb. He was the one who was a spy with Joshua that brought back the good report. And uh, the rest of the chapter deals with the descendants of Caleb. You're dealing still with the family of Judah. Now we center in on chapter 3 on David's family. And it lists all of the children that were born of David in Hebron. There in chapter 3. Later we'll get a further list of his children that were born in Jerusalem. Well, in verse 5, uh, deals with those that were born in Jerusalem. The others were born in Hebron before he was brought to Jerusalem and placed on the throne. And then we get a direct line of David's descendants down to the carrying away into captivity, beginning with verse 10. They just list 
in order the descendants, uh, one following another, to follow the line from David to Zedekiah, the last king, the king that was carried away captive to Babylon at the end of the dynasty of David. In chapter 4, we follow another line from Caleb through one of his sons called Hur. And you get a different line of Caleb from that which was earlier given. Now, in this particular line, in verse 9, as we've been listing a lot of names, suddenly he pauses on one fellow uh, who stands out. Now, in all of these names, suddenly you get a man and he stands out. And why does one stand out above the other? Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with sorrow. Now, the word Jabez means sorrow, and just why a parent would tag a name like that upon a child, I really don't know. Uh, It is a rather, to me, unfortunate name to place upon a child. It would seem to me that it could cause some psychic problems. She bore him with sorrow, whether or not it was a difficult pregnancy or whether or not some deformity existed in the child when he was born that created sorrow. It could be that he was blind. It could be that uh, he was impaired some way physically. And, And so rather than the great joy of having a son because of a physical impairment, uh, it, it would create sorrow. And she said, oh, Jabez, you know, oh, sorrow. And, and so they named him sorrow for whatever cause or reason. But that is, the name isn't the thing that makes him outstanding. It's his character that makes him outstanding. And Jabez called upon the God of Israel. He was outstanding because he was a man of prayer. There are far too few men of prayer. And yet the men of prayer are the men who really do accomplish things for the glory of God. There is a book called Power Through Prayer that I would like to recommend for excellent reading by E.M. Bounds. Andrew Murray has also written a beautiful book on prayer. There is a biography of Hyde. It's called Praying Hyde. Whenever I read of these men of prayer, I long in my heart to be a man of prayer. I really don't consider myself a man of prayer. I know that I don't pray enough. These men of prayer, these men that were capable of spending hours in prayer, praying Hyde would pray up to eight hours a day. Now that I call a man of prayer. And the things that were wrought for God, you know, we think, well, we got to be out there, you know, hustling for the Lord. And we find ourselves always so deeply involved in activities for God. As though we can accomplish so much by our activities. 
But I am convinced that we can accomplish more for God through prayer than any of our efforts that we get involved in, especially if those efforts are not backed by prayer. Now you say, well, if you're not a man of prayer, then how come the Lord has done so much through your ministry? Because I've got so many people praying for me. And I appreciate your prayers. And the work that is wrought here is wrought as a result of prayer. God has blessed the ministry of Calvary Chapel because of prayer. And years ago, when we were just 25 people, I said to them, all right now, because it is interesting, we, we made a survey in the summer camp that I was conducting one time. We, we sought to sort of get the spiritual tenor of the children, you know. And uh, how often do you read your Bible and how often do you pray? And on that little question, most of them put three times a day. And immediately, of course, we figured out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And realizing that people usually pray for their breakfast, lunch, and dinner, we suggested that they put a little sort of a postscript on their breakfast, lunch, and dinner prayers. As they asked the Lord to bless the food and give thanks for the food, we told them to put a little addition to their prayer, and Lord, please bless Calvary Chapel. And we began praying, and Lord, please bless Calvary Chapel. And he has. Now, of course, I think that one of the great sources of power in the church, and this is the thing that the people who come to analyze and to study and, and to find, you know, the program and so forth, this is the thing that they never see, nor do they take into consideration and that is the place of prayer in the ministry of Calvary Chapel. You see, they don't come all night and see the light on in the prayer room and realize that there are men there in the prayer room praying all night unto the Lord for the needs of the church and for the requests that have been brought in and those requests that are called in all night long. But oh, what power is generated by those men in their prayer, in the times of prayer all night long. And I'd like to recommend to a lot of you fellows, get started, get involved. You know, when I go to the men's prayer meeting on Saturday night and I hear the men praying, I can tell you the men who are in the all-night prayer times, I'll tell you they really learn to pray. And it's thrilling to have men of prayer within the body. But it's also thrilling to have so many women that also have banded together in prayer. The Monday morning prayer fellowship there and, and the many prayer fellowships throughout the area where the ladies gather during the day in homes for time of prayer. And so we've got ladies praying all day and men praying all night. No wonder God is blessing Calvary Chapel in such a glorious way. And Jabez called upon God of Israel. Now his prayer was really sort of for personal things. Oh Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. Keep your hand on me. Keep me from evil 
that it would not grieve me. And uh, God answered his prayer, granted his request. You know, God wants to bless you, and to me that's always exciting to realize that God wants to bless me. For as I look at myself, I say, how could God ever bless me? Now, he doesn't bless me because I'm so good, but because he's so good. And he just likes to bless people. I need the blessings. I like the blessings. I want the blessings. Oh, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast. I think that one of the problems that we all have is that of narrowness. We, we always seem to want to define our borders. Draw our close circle. Oh, God, enlarge my borders. You see, it's our church. Oh, but they're Baptist. You know, oh, they're Nazarenes. Oh, they're Presbyterians. And, you know, we, we want to sort of exclude others. We've got this special, exclusive fellowship, foolishness. We have no corner upon God at all. We used to sing, Jesus loves us all, one and all, you and me, everybody, one and all. And, and the Lord is no respecter of persons. The no, Lord is no respecter of churches. God, enlarge my borders. Help me to see beyond the narrow walls of denominationalism. I have found that the more spiritual a person becomes, the less denominational he becomes. And we quit talking about my church. And we start talking about his church, and we see it made up of Catholics and Presbyterians and Lutherans and Methodists and the whole shebang, you might say, you know, all of us a part of his glorious church. And we see the purposes of God wrought in the many fellowships that have been created. One of the signs of cultism is, is that of narrowness and we are the only ones. We're exclusive. Everybody else is babbling. Everybody else is wrong. We're the only ones that have the true truth. Everyone else has, well, how could you have a false truth, you know? So uh, we are the truly true church. And, and this narrowness, sectarianism, it is carnal. Paul said, while some of you say, I'm of Cephas, well, I'm of Paul, well, I'm of Apollos. He said that's a mark of, of spiritual immaturity. You're a babe in Christ. You haven't grown up. It's a mark of carnality. Are you not carnal? Do you not walk as men as long as one is saying, I'm of Cephas, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos? And it's a mark of spiritual immaturity. Oh, God, enlarge my coast. Lord, enlarge the borders of my life. Let me see the whole kingdom of God and the whole body of Christ. And then, of course, keep your hand upon me. Oh, how important it is that God keeps his hand upon my life. David said, you have held me by my right hand. Lord, keep hold of my hand. I need you to hold me up. For, Lord, if you don't hold me up, I'll surely fall. 
And then finally, keep me from evil, lest it grieve me. Now, this is farsightedness, which we need more of. One of the problems of the world today is as Peter described, he said, you only see that which is close, you do not see that which is far off. And we only so many times look at an experience for the immediate benefits, but this is always, always the snare of Satan. Shortcut. You don't have to take God's way. You can have immediate fulfillment and just about every enticement that Satan lays before you, the bait is immediate fulfillment. You don't have to go by way of the cross. You can have immediate fulfillment right now. Just turn aside from God's path. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Chronicles 1 through 4 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May God help you in those areas of your life where you have experienced failures in your past. And may you experience God's power and God's strength helping you to overcome. And may you come into a deeper relationship of love, love for God and love for each other. And especially... May God give you a heart of praise and rejoicing so that your life might be pleasing to Him as you rejoice in the Lord always. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because the Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heitzig. But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus! Hi, Peter! Raul Reese. 
See, it's really Jesus. Gosh. Cheryl Broderson. The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.